Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Game Time with Manny. This time, the podcast is coming to you a little bit late. I got a little overwhelmed by the Christmas season and had to do a bunch of different stuff, so I didn't end up recording a podcast. But the main reason is because I had so many thoughts and conflicting emotions about Final Fantasy XV, which is what this episode is about. I am going to talk to you about the long-awaited release of Final Fantasy XV, and I, boy, I have I have mixed feelings about this game. On one hand, I think it's very well done, and on the other hand, I think that there are parts of it that are like a burning train wreck. But I don't know. We'll have to. Well, I'll have to talk it out. I still, I'm even now, my my emotions are in full full swing. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. It's game time. I remember when Final Fantasy uh, 15 was originally announced uh, in 2006, which let's let's talk about how that's 10 years ago. Oh my God, I'm so uh, I'm so old. Uh, but yeah, Final Fantasy 13 was shown, and then Versus 13, I can't remember if it was shown at the same E3 or shortly after, but it was definitely shown in 2006, and Square had these grand designs to make, uh, Final Fantasy 13 a couple different games and have it be this overarching brand where they all had to deal with, like, weird crystals. So I, I will never be able to say it, but it was called, like, the Fabula Novella Crystallis. Or something like that. Um, and that fell through when Versus 13 kind of fell into uh, development hell, I guess you could call it. Um, but yeah, even development started on it in 2006. And I remember seeing that first trailer, and at the time, I was 16. And you know, teens can be teens can be a little angsty. Um, so at the time, the weird how edgy the trailer was kind of really appealed to me and I there were a couple people I knew around that time who were like this is, this is gonna be the best game look at look at this guy he's Noctis he's got his anime hair he's dressed in all black he's throwing swords around killing everybody and it's all night all the time and you know the, the, looking back like that trailer still does look interesting like yes it is super edgy emo Noctis uh wearing all black sitting in a throne all pouty and then he just like murks a whole buttload of soldiers with his like weird floating magic weapons uh and you know the final version of that game that came to be Final Fantasy 15 is not really like that um <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 not very edgy. Um but the game did go through a lot in those 10 years to end up changing. So in the beginning, uh Tetsuya Nomura, who is well known for his character design on a lot of Final Fantasies, I believe like 
uh, he started on six. I think he did some work on characters in Chrono Trigger and maybe the story as well. Um, but yeah, Tetsuya Nomura has done tons of work. Uh, most notably, he made the Kingdom Hearts franchise and designs those characters in that. Um, he does a lot for Square. Um, he actually reminds me a little bit of Masahiro Sakurai, the person who does most of the Smash Super Smash Brothers work, like that leads those games. Um, Nomura really puts a lot of himself into his games, and I, I, th- I think that's really cool. And on the other hand, it kind of is a bummer because he usually will refuse to compromise anything, and then it makes the games he works on take like about a hundred million years to come out. And I. I have yet to look into uh, a lot of the reasons why Versus 13 was delayed for so long and uh, ended up becoming Final Fantasy 15, but I-, I would I would be willing to hazard a guess that Nomura would just was not going to finish it in a reasonable time frame, as noted by 10 years of development. Um, but he was the original director and character designer. Um, and they, after that initial weird CG trailer, they they showed a couple more, like with Noctis, the main character, meeting with a girl with black hair named Stella. Uh, a couple of like gameplay footage things leaked out. Uh, so there are a couple of those videos floating around, but in the end, it kind of it kind of just went silent uh, after a certain point, and they like never brought it to Square. Never brought it to any trade shows. They like refused to acknowledge its existence, and I guess that's not true. They Nomura would tweet every so often, and I I remember one of the tweets that I'll always remember was him saying that like yeah the world's gonna be so big you're gonna need and you're gonna need an airship. Uh. And he promised that there would be an airship in the game. And every so often, someone would be like, hey, what the hell's going on with Versus 13? And they'd be like, it's still happening. And you're like, what? what? No, it's not. And, like, after, like, three years of nothing, like, in 2009, I had personally lost hope. I thought that it was canceled and they just weren't going to say anything. But in an insane turn of events, man... E3 of 2012 was something else. At Sony's press conference, they they first they showed Kingdom Hearts 3, which like people who really like like I am I am a Kingdom Hearts fan. I think it's a decent franchise. I really like the first game, but there are fans who are fucking rabid. Like you talk about Kingdom Hearts, they will just like destroy everything to get more information and that that happened uh but at that same e3 they also showed final fantasy 15 which was very clearly final fantasy what versus 13 had become um so you had noctis and you had a couple of the other characters that were shown um and it was a really cool trailer actually it was like noctis in his home city as it was being invaded and you fight off the invaders uh, spoilers, that's not, that is not in the final game at all. That's, that is not a thing that occurs, even though it still looks really cool. Like, so if you can, if you get the chance and you can go back and watch that trailer of Final Fantasy XV's announcement from 2012, do that because, man, I, I was very excited about that. I thought that looked so cool and that stuff is not in the final game even a little bit. So that that kind of stuff is weird um but you know the things change especially over a that at that point it was a 6 year period. Um and yeah the director changed from Nomura to Tabata 
uh, his name's Hajime Tabata. And I remember at the time, uh, Square was putting out statements saying like, oh, we want, we want Nomura to focus on Kingdom Hearts because he'll be making Kingdom Hearts 3. But at that point, he was also developing a 3DS Kingdom Hearts game and like two other games simultaneously. And I don't remember what they were off the top of my head. And then it ended up that he is also working on the Final Fantasy VII remake. And like, man, they stretched that guy so thin. But long story short, they put Tabata on. uh, And in my opinion, that was probably because they needed him to be the closer. They needed him to be like, hey, we got to we got to get this game out the door. We've spent too much money, too much time. We, we got to do it. Um, and so, yeah, that happened. And then here we are four years later and Tabata's Final Fantasy 15 came out. Um, and I, man, ugh, I, I waited for this game for so long, um, but I tapered my expectations i figured that i wasn't gonna like it very much um it was just a few years ago uh what game did it come with oh the square released a a game on the playstation 4 final fantasy type zero which is a port of a psp game that came out in japan but it never came out here uh and I mainly bought Type-0 because I wanted to play the demo of Final Fantasy XV. It was called The Sky. And I ended up playing it. It was just a short chunk of the open world. And you have your party members, Noctis, Gladio, Prompto, and Ignis. And you kind of just like go through this weird thing where you're in this small part of the world. And you fight a behemoth. And you get to see what a summon looks like. And I played that demo. And I absolutely hated it. Um, which was crazy because at the time I remember a lot of my friends and people I saw on the internet saying like, Oh, Final Fantasy 15's demo is so cool. And I love every moment of it. One, the game ran like absolute shit. Uh, it was just like constantly dipping below 30 frames a second. There was way too much foliage on screen. Like clearly there was a lot of work to be done. Um, which like that is fine. It's an early demo, but what I did not like at all was the battle system. Um, it's weird because I don't really know where I got this idea from. Uh, but this, I believe for a long time, I was under the impression that the battle system was going to be much more active, like Kingdom Hearts. Like when you push the button, Sora swings his keyblade, and it's like theoretically one to one, right? You're like you're doing combos. It's like an action battle system. I was under the impression that Final Fantasy 15 was going to be more like that. But what was in the Disguise demo was more somewhere halfway in between a Kingdom Hearts action battle system and somewhere in between, on the other end of the spectrum, a completely turn-based Final Fantasy game like they used to be. So it was one of those things where, like, you would push the button expecting a combo, but then it would take too long, but it's still too fast to be turn-based, and it was just, like, in my brain, I couldn't handle it. I hated it so much. It was just, like, the perfect recipe and amount of time between pushing that button and seeing the action come out that I did not like it at all. So I was very... At that point, I became very apprehensive about 15 more so than I was because you know it was already trapped in development hell um but what we what we ended up getting in the end I think that Final Fantasy 15 is a very impressive video game um 
and I want to make that very clear before I start talking more about it, uh, because there's a lot of the time when I end up talking about these kinds of things where I sound super overly critical and I make it seem like I think that the game is awful, but I honestly think that Final Fantasy 15 is like a very, very good achievement like they made a solid game and whether or not it didn't live up to uh some of the expectations i had but that doesn't mean it's a bad game at all there are parts of it that i do think are very bad but i think as a whole the fact that final fantasy 15 came into existence is uh a little nuts actually um i personally never thought it was going to come out and the game that we did end up getting is fine. It's a serviceable game, but I, I have seen a lot of people say, like, this isn't a Final Fantasy game, and, like, pardon my language here, but, like, those people can fuck off. Like, Final Fantasy hasn't been what I remember as Final Fantasy for years and years. Um, I think that the last traditional Final Fantasy, in the sense that I think of when I think of Final Fantasy, was Final Fantasy X. Because, I mean, then Final Fantasy XI was, was an MMO. It was an online role-playing game. Uh, 12 was not a turn-based battle system at all. It was closer to an MMO battle system. 13 certainly was not turn-based, and then 13-2 and 13-3 followed in that. 14 was a goddamn MMO, and then you, then you have 15. And I, I think that one of the things that really makes Final Fantasy, for me personally, is that it is an interesting fantasy world with interesting characters. And personally, that is where this game falls short for me. But I would never say that, like, this doesn't deserve to be called a Final Fantasy game. And I actually think that Final Fantasy 15 sets the groundwork, so if they do make a 16, that it could be, like, off-the-hook awesome. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I, guess I, I guess I will get into this now. Um, eventually, I will start talking very specifically about spoilers, uh, but I will let you know before that. So right now I'm just going to talk about like my general feelings and uh, the the general beginning premise of the game. So what you have is Prince Noctis. And if you have not seen him, go look up Prince Noctis. He is like generic anime boy. Uh, he has like black, fluffy, crazy hair. Um... And he wears mostly all black clothes. And he is the prince of insomnia, which, like, uh, they're, like, the Lucius line of kings. I believe his dad was, like, the 113th king, so technically Noctis is 114th in line. And they have a special crystal that allows them to have powers. Uh, so, like, Noctis and his dad can, well, ma mainly Noctis, we'll just go with that. He can, like, switch between weapons, like, they, like, teleport around him, and he can, like, teleport around with the weapon. Like, he can throw the weapon and then teleport to it, um, and he can have a couple different weapons equipped at the same time. And, like, this is where, that's the main crux of the battle system, right? Like, it is, it is much more action-y than that original Disguide demo that I talked about earlier. So, like, the main weapon that Noctis uses is, like, a little sword, um not little it's like bigger than a dagger but like not quite like a full-on blade um i can't remember what class of weapon they call it, but either way you basically push circle and noctis will swipe with it right so the main battle system revolves around you holding circle uh so that noctis will basically chain attacks together into a combo and if he is allowed to 
uh, attack uninterrupted while you're holding circle for long enough, it will kind of like push an enemy back or knock them down. And sometimes it will put them into like an invulnerable state where they'll take a little bit more damage. Um, which like on its face, uh, I would say yes. Most of the time you are holding the circle button to win. Uh, but the battle system is more nuanced than that. Uh, it just doesn't necessarily show itself all the time because some of the battles are a little bit too on the easy side. Um, but yeah, you hold circle to attack. Um, you can have four different weapons equipped at the same time. Um, so you get all kinds of different weapons. Like there are guns, tridents, katanas, uh, I don't know, shields, dual blades. There's, there's a million kinds of weapons, right? Um, and you can swap between them with the four directions of the D-pad. So, like, you could be attacking with, like, the sword and then mid-combo switch and, like, be like, oh, what's up? I got a trident now. And, like, that's pretty cool. And uh, certain enemies will be weaker to certain enemy types, as is common in these types of games. Um, but where I, I think the battle system gets really cool is, like, the teleport mechanic is, like, really awesome. Um, so Noctis will have, like, a mana bar, which he needs to, you, you need to manage so that you can dodge attacks and teleport. Um, so when you're not just going ham, holding circle, if you hold square... Noctis will kind of, like, do, like, a sweet, like, matrix teleport dodge all the time. Uh, and so you can get out of most attacks that way. Eventually, later in the game, there are enemies who you cannot dodge their attacks, so you just got to get out of there. Um, but, yeah, so you, you can dodge most enemy attacks by holding square. Uh, the game will prompt at certain points where if you're not blocking for you to block, and if you do push it there... Uh, then you can quickly counterattack and do a lot of damage. Um, sometimes that's very fast. Uh, you don't really ever have to learn timing or anything because the game just tells you whenever you have to block to be able to parry, which I think is kind of lame. And I, you might be able to turn it off. I guess I never really thought about it. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. So you can parry those attacks. Uh, and so like if your mana gets too low, Noctis will go into this state called Stasis. And he can no longer really teleport or do a whole lot. So, like, no blocking or anything. So, what you have to do is, like, there will be points around the battlefield where sometimes if you're looking at something, it will have a prompt that says, uh, like, warp point. And if you push triangle to warp there, um, then you will regain most of your mana. You can also, like, target an enemy from very far away and, like, warp to them, like, throw the weapon and warp to them. And that's a warp strike. And that does a lot of damage. And... So the battle system is definitely more actiony than what this guy was, but it's still not like it's nowhere near a turn-based game. There is like this weird strategy mode that I think is an absolute trash fire uh, because of the way the camera works. So like I didn't really mess with that a whole lot, but I guess if you want to try to make it more strategic, you can. It's just like ugh, I I don't know. It's meant to be a more actiony game, so that's that's the way I played it. Um, but yeah, the battle system is very simple. It's one of those things where I think you get used to it easy, but if you want to do well in like the later fights, uh, you actually have to kind of learn the nuances of it and stuff like that, which, which that's cool. Um, it's still, I just like, I never found myself really like enjoying it, if that makes sense. Um, like it's, it, the battles are fine and like, I, I never wasn't having like a good time. It's just like, I wasn't like, yeah, I really like battles. I want to battle some more stuff, especially later in the game when it's just like, I have this problem with a lot of games where when their way of making things more difficult is just like, they kill you in one hit, like that blows. 
so a lot of enemies later in the game can kill you in one hit, but it is cool fighting some of the later enemies, because you have to, like, teleport out of the way, otherwise they kill you with certain strikes and things like that, so it gets cool. Um, but one thing that I think is uh, really weird is they changed the way that magic works. Um, basically, you craft your own magic it's like usable and has a quantity like it did in final fantasy 8 um but it like hurts your teammates it's really what you like craft it with items and like this stuff that noctis can pull out of the ground um kind of like elements and then you like cast it so like you cast fire and it just like basically like sets the whole world ablaze and then your teammates are like oh my god you caught me on fire and so it's really weird because magic is really strong, but like it hurts your teammates. Uh, it's very, it's very odd. Like Blizzard, they'll all get like really chilly. Like so will you, and they like won't be able to attack for a little bit and stuff. And that that kind of, it's very weird. I don't use magic very often because I, I, I just I don't know. But it is very powerful. So so that's like that's the main crux of the battle system, and like it's fine. It's serviceable, it's just I don't think that it is amazing. Which I've seen people come out and saying it's like Devil May Cry in a sense, and it's it's not really, because like there are no like different combos, like you're just holding circle. I, I, I don't know, the battle system is whatever, but that that's what you're going to be doing for most of the game other than driving around. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I think is really weird about Final Fantasy XV is that it is... An open world game. Um, the whole purpose is you are Prince Noctis, as I have said before. And you are with your three friends. Gladio, the big sword guy. Prompto, the kind of like... He's kind of annoying, I guess I'll say it. Uh, and he likes to take a lot of pictures. And you got Ignis, the stuck-up British boy, uh, who I actually like a lot. He usually drives the car around. Um, but they are basically like his, uh, I can't remember what the hell they call it. It's basically like some King's guard. They're the King's guard, right? And they, uh, they are accompanying Noctis as his friends to his wedding where he is to be married to the Oracle, uh, Luna, Luna Freya. Um, and so, yeah, that that's what's happening in the game. Um, and they start off their their car has broken down and they are pushing it, and it has this really weird cover of "Stand by Me," uh, performed by Florence and the Machines, which is interesting, and it actually is kind of is a nice emotional effect. Um, but that is what the game is and presents itself as for the first while is that you're just, hey man, we're on a road trip, we're just broing out, four bros on a bro trip. And, like, you can go camping, and Ignis is all about cooking. Prompto literally takes screenshots as you are playing, um, and then when you camp at camp at the end of the day, he will, like, show you the ten pictures he made, and you can save those and be like, look, isn't this one cool? And sometimes they're cool. Sometimes he accidentally takes a picture of a bush, but, I mean, it's a it's an open-world video game, so, I mean, can't expect too much. Some of them are really cool, though. Um, and, yeah, and it's it's interesting it's weird and they present it as like bros on a road trip and so i really wanted them to be characterized very well which does happen like as you go to new places they all have custom dialogue and they interact and that's really interesting um 
but I feel like they, you do learn more about their backstory, but it never gets flushed out enough. And now I know if someone listens to this, who's like, oh, but Manny, you have to watch the anime Brotherhood. And that's a whole different thing. I did watch Brotherhood, the like prequel anime about each person. I did watch the movie Kingsglaive to learn the status of the world and why everything is happening. And that that, that is another huge mistake I think they made with this, is instead of having that kind of stuff in the game, Square decided that like, yeah, people will love Kingsglaive. People did not love Kingsglaive. Um, I thought it was an okay film, uh, but most people I read reviews from were trashing the living shit out of it, and it is very weird. Uh, so, like, Kingsglaive gives the whole setup for, like, the two kingdoms and why they don't like each other and stuff like that, and it's it's weird. So, like, in my opinion, you have to watch Kingsglaive before you play Final Fantasy XV, or you're probably not going to have any idea what the hell is going on at literally any point. Um, but I did, so I kind of knew what was going on, even though there still were many parts where I did not know. And I watched Brotherhood as well. I don't think that really helps, and I don't think that you should be characterizing characters in a weird prequel anime. But, you know, that's, that's just, that's just me. Um, so yeah, you're broing out with your bros. You gotta fix your car. Uh, and eventually there is, like, a world-changing event that they find out about on the radio, even though they have cell phones and it's like modern cell phones with like apps and stuff makes no sense. Why? Or no, they find it through the newspaper and then they listen to stuff about it on the radio. Very odd. It's also like a world, completely world changing event. I won't really spoil that if you didn't watch Kingsglaive or start 15 for the first couple hours, but there's a world changing event and then it ends up being different. And Noctis is no longer like on a trip to marry Luna. Really? Um, and then the game kind of, like, loses its plot, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Noctis has to go around collecting these 13, or no, is it 15? It's probably 15, I don't remember. Uh, 15's, uh, King's Arms, which, like, ancient kings of Lucius from his bloodline, uh, they... They have ancient weapons in these tombs, and he has to go pick them up so he can become more powerful. And when you end up using those weapons, they, like, drain your health, but they're super powerful. They're they're kind of cool. Uh, but, yeah, so you, like, do that, and you meet a couple more characters, and, like, then the, the game for me kind of, like, stagnates there, right? Like, <sighs> this, uh, I'm just losing my train of thought here because I'm so upset. You, you like, learn a lot about the characters as you're, like, going around the world with them, but you don't learn about them in the context of, like, hey, there is this life-changing event going on, like, what's what's up with that? Um, so it's really odd what, what, like, there are, it actually seems like there are parts of the story that are just literally not explained. Um, so before I get into that, I will just explain, like, the loose gameplay loop. Um, you can go around the open world, you can walk, you can run, you can ride a chocobo. Chocobos are dope, it plays the chocobo music. Uh, but the vast majority of the time you're going to be going around the world with your car, um, which you can buy Final Fantasy soundtracks for and play them on the radio, which I think is pretty dope. Um, and so it's odd because like you can't drive the car really, it's on rails, um, 
So you like just hold the trigger and then it like goes and you can have someone drive for you. You have Ignis drive for you uh, only during the daytime, though, at first. Later on, you can drive at night, but that's that's a whole different thing. So, yeah, during the day, you can have Ignis drive for you uh, and you can just basically like tell him, hey, go here and then he'll drive the car there. If you have been to the place before, um, you can then just uh, fast travel there, which sometimes fast traveling actually takes longer than uh just letting ignis drive there which is insane because the load times are a little bit crazy uh but it's it's not like exciting like yes they have uh conversations but that is based on the chapter you're in so like if you are on the same chapter for a very long time because you're going around the world doing side quests, uh, they will just be silent most of the time in the car because you've heard all their dialogue. And, like, I think that sucks. Um, because the open world actually causes a lot of pacing issues for the game, in my opinion. Because you open up most of the world in, like, around Chapter 3. It's literally called The Open World. So you can go around doing side quests. I won't even talk about the side quests. 99% of them are all really bad. Uh, it's just a bunch of people saying, like, yo, get me a frog! And then you get a frog and you get a reward that's not really worth it at all. Um, so yeah, it's just going around doing a bunch of that stuff. But... I did a lot of it, right? I did all of it. Um, and I did a lot of it during a certain chapter. So it's like, oh, hey, like, we have to go basically save the planet, but I got to get these frogs for this lady for six hours or whatever, however long it took me to do all these side quests. And, like, th that, that stuff has always been a problem in open worlds. I felt like it was more of a problem in this one. But I noticed it a lot more because the side quests are just, like, not fun most of the time. They're just a bunch of grindy fetch quests. And, like, you can also go out and, like, hunt monsters and all kinds of stuff. Fish, camp, you find you find all the stuff. There's tons of stuff to do, right? And the world is huge and expansive. Um, but they did all of that, I feel like, at the cost of the plot. Which is, as I was saying, it like, yes, it causes like, all kinds of pacing issues. Um... There, it feels like large swaths of the story are literally missing. But I think the part of the game where you are driving around the world with your bros, even though the car is on rails, it's still really interesting. Um, and I like that part. I, even though the side quests weren't great, I liked going around and doing them all. I liked finding them. I liked finding the dungeons. Uh, I liked fighting in those dungeons. I just liked experiencing the world. Like, when you come across, like, a nice view or something, it's, like, it's really cool. And it makes me feel good inside that these four bros are just chilling, having a good time. Um, and so now is where... Now is where I will talk about the spoilers for this game. So if you... If you have not played Final Fantasy XV, you really want to get in there spoiler-free... Definitely don't listen to the first part of this, or the, the second part, sorry. Um, so yeah, I'll give you uh, three, two, one. And now we are in the spoiler section. So, the world-ending event, the, well, the world-changing event that happens near the beginning of the game is that Noctis's dad is killed. Which, if you had watched the film Kingsglaive, as Square recommends, and I personally recommend too, because then you'll actually understand the world at all, um, Noctis's dad gets killed by the Empire, who they are at war with, um, 
and they like are using Luna, the person that Knox is supposed to marry, as like weird bait and stuff. And then in the end, a bunch of Imperials invade the city and kill King Lucius. Uh, so Noctis finds that out through the newspaper, and then he tries to go back and finds out he can't. Um, and then he basically is just going around the world collecting those arms so that he can try and take revenge on the Empire, right? Um, and you're doing all that, and then all of a sudden, like, it makes no sense to me still. There is just a point where you get to, like, the one major city in the game, and you meet Gladio's sister, Iris. And then all of a sudden, you're just supposed to go and fight Titan, the summoned Titan. And the person that takes you there is the Chancellor of the Enemy Kingdom, of the Empire. And somehow, Noctis, being the prince, has no fucking idea that this guy is super important. Like, he had to have met him before, and they're like, huh, your name's Arden? Like, that sounds really familiar, why don't I... Like, it, it's actually insane that these people don't fucking know who Arden is, but they follow him anyways, right? Um, and then, from there, the story becomes, hey, we have to go around and get all of these summons, uh, which just comes out of nowhere, right? Like, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we gotta go see Titan, because there's earthquakes, and then you're just... I literally... The game doesn't tell you this at all. I inferred this from context clues that you have to go and find all those summons because you... Uh, because that's how... Noct apparently the kings, it's their test, is to go make a pact with all the summons so that then afterwards they can... Uh, become the true king. Uh, which they definitely never say. And if they do, then it's in some weird hidden area. Um... So, yeah, you go and you fight Titan, and then, like, after that, it's just like, all right, cool, now, like, touch these stones and get Rama. And I was like, what? And, like, I, I didn't even know why I was fighting Titan, to be honest with you, in that part. And you really don't know why Arden is helping you or why they would, like, let Arden help them, why he's taking you to the summon when you're not supposed to get there, because, theoretically, they wouldn't want Noctis to become the king. So, so it's all, it's very confusing at that point, and that's where, like, I just lost the entire thread of the story, right? Um, and then they kind of just, like, you find out that Luna is the oracle, and her job is to, like, facilitate all the pacts with the summons. Um... And it's really, it's just really weird. And Luna especially is not developed well as a character at all. She's like literally just there as a plot point for Noctis to be like, I love Luna. We were childhood friends and she's the Oracle. And like, she's really never anything more than that. Um, and so, so yeah, you do all that in the open world and you do a bunch of missions. You end up fighting the Empire some, but like nothing is ever really happening, right? And so they, they eventually decide that, like, hey, it's time to go to the city of Altitia, which is where he was originally supposed to meet Luna so that they could get married. Um, and you go there, and from that point on, which is, uh, like, chapter 8 or 9 in the story, the game is no longer an open world. And I know what you're thinking, and you're like, Manny, but you said this is an open world game. And what I really should have said, although it's kind of a spoiler, is... 
only the first half of the game is an open world game, which saying that out loud sounds insane because the open world aspect of Final Fantasy 15 is the best part of Final Fantasy 15. I cannot iterate that enough. Uh, so yeah, you basically at chapter eight, the plot starts to happen. I can't put it any other way than that. Noctis is continuing on. He has gotten a pact with Titan. He's gotten a pact with Rama and now he is time for him to meet up with Luna and make a pact to get Leviathan. Um, and the plot just really jumps off there. Like tons of, tons of shit happens and you still really don't know why it's happening. Uh, and at least you can kind of walk around Altitia, and it's like an open space. Uh, but they introduce this fucking conceit that is baffling to me. Luna and Noctis have these two dogs, Umbra and something else. And Umbra shows up when you're in Altitia and allows you the ability to travel back in time to the open world. Can't make this up. So you use every inn, you have the option to use your magic time travel dog to travel back to the good part of the game right um and it's just like altitia is kind of open but then after that i i shit you not like people made fun of final fantasy 13 for being linear final fantasy 15 after you after you're out of altitia is literally a goddamn straight line it is actually a straight line you are on a train and you're just in a you're in a you're in a goddamn straight line uh, you walk back and forth in a train until enough time has passed, and then you get out, and you do this one area, and then you get back in the train. You walk back and forth on the train until there's enough time has passed, and then you're at this tiny outcropping, and then you talk to all the people at the tiny outcropping, and then you're in chapter 13, which is the worst area of the game. Uh, it's a bunch of linear corridors in a fortress with a lot of jump scares, and they take away all your weapons and your teammates, and you have to use this goddamn ring that can insta-kill everything, which isn't that bad. It's just that chapter's so long and so tedious. And then it ends, right? Like, ugh. I'm not, I'm not going to give away the ending, but there is like a fucking time skip and then the game is over like a half hour later once you fight the final two bosses. And it's like just so unsatisfying. And one of the reasons is because like character motivations just like aren't given for a lot of the characters. Like there's no, there's no actual explanation of why they are doing anything they're doing. There are parts of the game that are just straight up fucking missing because they are going to be added as DLC. So, there are three parts. One where Gladio leaves the party, kind of earlier in the game. Uh, one where Ignis is not there, and something major happens to his character that you are not explained fucking at all in the plot of the game. Um, and then a part where Prompto's not there for a bit. And those will all be added in as DLC, even though the one with Gladio, I could care less what happens, right? Because that didn't matter to the story. The one with Ignis is fucking crucial, because you're supposed to feel bad for Ignis after a certain point. And it's like, I have no, I don't even know what happened. I have no connection. No one fucking talks about why this happened. It's insane. So I paid $25, so eventually I'll be able to know, I guess. And then Prompto's thing, like, that is also crucial. He is gone for a while and clearly goes through some major character and emotional crises. And, like, you just don't get to know that because, fuck it, pay for it as DLC later. But it's it's crazy because the second half of Final Fantasy XV feels like it is the remnant of a different game. 
like you were originally supposed to be able to explore the second half of the game fully and go to all these areas and you just you just can't and it seems like there are a lot of story points missing the one that square themselves has talked about and like tabata's put out a statement for is luna's brother ravis right he in the movie king's glaive he puts on the ring of the lucii and they don't choose him so his arm burns off and like he shows up a couple times in final fantasy 15 um and he clearly just hates noctis uh which you would only know why he hates him if you watch king's glaive and it's because uh noctis's dad saved noctis when they were younger from this weird ritual thing being interrupted and luna and ravis are left behind and taken by the empire um but so he hates him for that but like he just talks shit about noctis all the time and says he thinks he's really weak and then all of a sudden near the end he just like has a change of heart for some reason so you have no idea why he's doing anything and then near the end of the game you just find his corpse on a floor and you're like this is weird why is he dead and the way they explain that is through four pieces of paper on the ground that you read that have four lines of text each that are like this is all of ravis and you're like i don't understand why wasn't this a scene why didn't you give ravis any characterization before this moment like what happened here this is again a jrpg that is supposedly all about character development where is the character development and you just, you don't, you don't get that. Um, and they said they're going to patch in scenes to explain why Ravis did what he did, but like that doesn't fix it for me, right? Like I already beat the game. So I guess maybe theoretically someday, if I ever give a shit enough, I can beat the game again and find out the motivations of one of the most major characters in the goddamn game. Oh my God. It's crazy. And like, I, I still believe that they should have been given more time. And, like, as crazy as that sounds, it was, the game was in development for 10 years. Like, there are parts that are just not done. It is very, very clear that there were, you were actually originally supposed to get more party members than just the four bros, right? So, the first one, I I firmly believe that you you get core in your party. He is another person who served Noctis's father, and he's very strong when he's in your party for like twenty minutes. Um, he is in like all the marketing for the game, like just as if they forgot to take him out. Like they have pictures of core walking alongside the other three or well four technically. Um, and in the in that original trailer when they reannounced fifteen. They showed, like, slices of characters' faces. And I I am a firm believer that all of those were supposed to be playable characters. Um, But there's only one that can be proven, right? So, I believe the core was supposed to be that way. He joins your party. I believe that Gladio's sister Iris is supposed to be that way. She joins your party. There is another character that joins your party called Aranea Highwind. And she is really cool. And she is a dragoon, so she uses her lance, and she knows jump and all that stuff. Um, she joins your party a couple times. Uh, the first time is, like, for a story bit, and she helps you out. She fights you once before that. Um, and then later on, she can, like, randomly jump down from an airship and help you if you're fighting monsters at night. Uh, but people found a glitch that allows you to have RNA in your party forever. Uh, you just can't fish because it's like kind of busted. But she has custom dialogue everywhere. Uh, she could theoretically only be with you in one part of the game uh, where you do not have Gladio in your party. Um, 
So she has custom dialogue with Gladio. This all happens if you keep her in your party through this glitch. She has custom dialogue with Gladio. She has custom dialogue with Prompto, custom dialogue with Ignis. She has custom dialogue about seeing specific things that she would never be able to see. Uh, because she only exists in one area, and then she can only be in battle with you, and theoretically, as soon as battle is over, she should leave. Um, so she can photobomb photos, uh, she can be in photos that Prompto takes, uh, there are, like, specific things around that, specific things about where the photos are taken, she will comment on specific things, and then you can even take her to Altitia with you, which is totally, like, a technically separate map, there are specific events that occur there with her as well, which are all things that she never would have been able to see, and so it's like, this character was definitely cut from this game at a very, very late stage, and it feels like, that's all the second half of the game is, was someone came in and told Tabata, like, yo, dog, this game's taken 10 years, like, finish it now. I don't care how close it is to completion, like, make sure it is done. Yes, you should be able to complete it, but, like, you don't have more time. Like, it's over. Cut it off. And it's crazy because the game was delayed again um, near the end of its development. Like, it was supposed to come out in September, uh, and it ended up coming out in December? I don't know, what day did Final Fantasy XV come out? I think it was December. Um, actually, no, November. Yeah, November. But it's very clear that this stuff was cut, and like there are just character motivations that don't exist. And I can't tell if it's because all of it was in place, and then they had to cut it because they didn't have enough time or resources, or if it's one of those things where... Nomura had a vision originally, and then Tabata had to make cuts to that, but he couldn't get rid of everything, he could only get rid of certain things. <sighs> it's just such a bummer, because like I, there are so many things I like about Final Fantasy XV, but the story, which is usually the reason I come to Final Fantasy, is like a burning train wreck for half the time. And, like, I've seen a bunch of people say that, like, oh, I really like the ending and stuff, and, like, yes, the ending taken apart from literally all the rest of the story could stand alone and be very emotional if you go on that journey because you went on your journey with your bros right and it's cool but like it can't overshadow the fact that the second half of the game is so linear and just has so little story and or explanation about major events that you should know about it's it's a little it's a little baffling, um, but I still I think it's a I think it's a good game. Um, you know I I would I would hazard a guess that they did the best that they could uh, with what they were left with. Um, I I don't exactly know when Tabata had picked it up, how much before 2012, or if it was just when that trailer was announced that he was given the reins. But but I would guess that it was an arduous process. I, I would assume that Nomura had a rough time, and I would assume that Tabata had a tough time once he took it over. Um, because, like, Final Fantasy games used to be, like, huge, huge events. Um, and now, after 13 and stuff like that, like, I feel like the Final Fantasy brand has lost a little bit of its, like, luster. Um, and, and that kind of sucks. Uh, but I think that 15 does a good enough job that it gets Final Fantasy back into, like, the public consciousness in a way that is, like, kind of positive. 
Um, because it does try new things, right? Like, it's not just, hey, we made a turn-based Final Fantasy again. Like, it has an open world. It has, like, cool, interesting mechanics. The battle system is cool. You can drive a car. Like, they tried stuff. They tried to make it an interesting modern game. And while I don't think that they succeeded in every facet of it, I think that they did a damn good job considering how many issues they had. Um, so, yeah, I that that's all I got. I, I can no longer talk about Final Fantasy 15. Maybe someday again when the DLC comes out, but until then, I don't know that I will play it again. Uh, the first DLC pack kind of came out, and you just get a bunch of rings for Noctis, and it's like, that's lame. I'll definitely play the character packs where you play through the stories of Gladio, Prompto, and Ignis, because those were just gaping plot holes that I really need to know about. Um... But yeah, overall, 15 is a fine game. Um, was it worth the 10-year wait? Like, maybe not. But, you know, I they almost certainly did as, as well as they could, especially with something like that. Like, Final Fantasy 15 is great, considering most games that are in development hell for that long, like Duke Nukem Forever, just, like, suck. So, I Final Fantasy did You done good. You done good, Tabata. I'm I'm very impressed with the work that was done, and it looks great. It's just that story, man. Something could have been done, but they're they're gonna try to patch it, and maybe in like a year's time, it'll be the game that I wish that it was originally. But you know, things take time, and if you're not given enough time, you, you can't do it. And so that's gonna do it for me here. I'm sorry that this podcast was like a month late. Another one will be going up in just a couple of days where we talk about our top 10 games of the year for 2016. Personally, I'm much more excited about 2017. A lot of games that I'm very excited for coming out, but we got to We got to wrap up 2016 first, uh, but we can't wrap up this podcast without saying that the theme song is by the band Anamanaguchi. Uh, very good chiptune band. Definitely check them out if you get a chance. Uh, it is the song Sting Operation. So if you want to go look that up, you can do that as well. And that is all I have for today. I will see you guys next time. Peace out.